A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the first Andy Goldstein TalkSport Daily podcast of the week with me, your host, Andy Goldstein. And, of course, we begin with more tributes to Her Majesty the Queen who passed away on Thursday. Last night on TalkSport, we brought you a special documentary focusing on the importance of the Queen at the 1966 World Cup. Here's just a little snippet of that, narrated by the legendary sports commentator, Barry Davis. The first football match the Queen attended was the 1953 FA Cup final, just a month before her coronation. It became known as the Matthews final, as the legendary winger Stanley Matthews, at the ripe age of 38, inspired his Blackpool team to a 4-3 comeback victory over Bolton Wanderers. There's the man who's really fighting for his cup medal. Could he score the winning goal now himself? He's there! And where's Stanley Matthews? There's Joe Smith running on to There's Stanley. At long last, he's done it. And everybody cheering him. Talk Sports Royal Correspondent Rupert Bell spoke about the importance of Her Majesty's presence on that day. It is and was always the biggest sporting event in the country. It mattered, and you can see from all the newsreels just how significant the FA Cup final was in the British sporting psyche of the time. So the final for the Queen was a big shop window. The 11th of July, 1966, was an incredibly special moment for this nation as Her Majesty opened the World Cup ceremony at Wembley Stadium. I am very pleased that this country is acting as host for the final phases of the World Cup. I welcome all our visitors and feel sure that we shall be seeing some fine football. It now gives me great pleasure to declare open the eighth World Football Championship. There she was, um, and it was all in black and white, by the way, and no colour telly. So it was, then, and she said um, in her normal clipped reserve tones, um, "We are pleased to be the hosts, and we're expecting to see some fine football." That was the young queen saying that, and we went, "That'll do. Let's let's get on with the game." As it happened, the opening game, a goalless draw was Uruguay. Wasn't that great? But she was there. She was there, and, and which was which was the main thing. Bobby Moore climbed the steps to collect a trophy that England had never won. Everybody could see that he was wiping his hands on his to make sure that his hands would be as clean as possible after a match which had been played in pretty miserable weather at times. A madness to the Queen, Bobby Moore comes up to receive the Zurime trophy for England. Only 12 inches high, solid gold, and it means England are the world champions. There is the late World Cup winning captain describing that moment. When I just approached the top of the stairs and come round the corner for the first time, all I could visualise was 
the Queen in shining white gloves. You know, and we've been playing on a very, very wet pitch, and all I could think of is dirty, wet, muddy hands. I can't possibly shake hands with her like this. And the first thing I could think of was to clean my hands, and which I did on top of a uh, lovely laid-out velvet just prior to meeting her. You know, I suppose it might have been a silly thing to do, um, you know, to many, many people, but it was just an immediate reaction was that, my goodness me, those lovely white gloves, I can't dirty them. But in those days, you knew again, you didn't expect the um, Queen to make a sort of long um, speech or something. The fact that she was handing it over and you get a fantastic photograph and it was all seen on television, of course, you know, would have been considered to be um, a very, very high honour indeed. It gets a feel for what the country's thinking about, because if, if there's sporting success, then it does definitely elevate the mood. And, of course, as the head of state, that all helps you know, her and gives her something to understand what's going on in the country. And you can listen to Her Majesty and 66, a special TalkSport documentary now available on the TalkSport Daily podcast feed, where you found this podcast. Elder Elderov and David Egan are staying on the best, and it's going to be a first classic for David Egan as Eldar Elderov wins a ledger, another one for Roger Varian. And thanks to our friends at Sky Sports Racing uh, for the commentary there, as you heard David Egan winning his first classic. A bit of a surprise result, Rupert? Not with 9-2, to two. no, not entirely. Winning a classic, all them other races were fantastic out in the Middle East, but an English classic is something special. Here's how it all sounded with the reaction from TalkSport's Rupert Bell and TV presenter Ed Chamberlain. It was an extraordinary day. It really was. Today was all about the racing, having a fitting tribute to Her Majesty the Queen. Because no offence to the other sports who've had decisions to make this weekend, Alex, but racing had to get it right. It had to get it right because she was our patron. Uh, racing was her sport. David Egan is one of the rising stars of the weighing room, son of John Egan. He's won uh, big races around the world. He's a hugely talented jockey and he proved it to good effect there and a terrific performance, winning actually quite comfortably in the end. It felt right and sport unites people like no other and there was very much a respectful, slightly sombre atmosphere but I think people enjoyed having the chance to pay their tribute. There was plenty of emotion, but also people wanting to say thank you. I'm not sure celebrates the right word, but maybe recognise the most incredible life that Her Majesty the Queen had. You know, I suppose race goes returning up, just like as I heard you talking to John, not quite sure what the mood was going to be like, but very respectful. And that all sort of encapsulated the mood. But now just looking at what's coming from Donks, you get the feeling that it's sort of business as usual, just as the Queen would want. Racing has a, has a major challenge moving forward because she has been our ambassador globally. She is the single most important figure in the world of racing, not just in this country. And for Royal Ascot, you know, she is the heartbeat of Royal Ascot. What does Royal Ascot do? We've been so fortunate to have her as our biggest supporter and biggest fan for so long. And we probably only won't appreciate it in the next few years, Alex. Now she's gone so sadly. We won't really appreciate just the effect she had and the the way she took racing to to parts of the world and with race names after her from every country, you know, from Japan to Australia. All in all, um, I think racing and Doncaster, more importantly, have done the sport proud. Legendary jockey Frankie Dettori finished second behind the winner, Elder Elderov, ridden by David Egan. Before the race, he joined Natalie Sawyer and Tony Cascarino to pay his own tribute to the Queen. It's a very sombre mood, a uh, feeling of amp- emptiness, you know. I, I know the Majesty for 30 years, and, uh, you know, she always said the horror of immortality. And when it actually does happen, is is a complete shock. You know, mm. when, when the news comes out, you know, it really takes a chunk of your soul away a little bit. Mm. And 
you know, racing was was a sport. What well, that's what she loved. You know, I, I I've been to Buckingham Palace, Windsor Castle. I met the Queen all over the place, and she was always attracted to people in racing. You know, she always made a detour and and went straight to the people. What were involved in those races. So she meant a lot for my sport and you could see the real love and the passion in her face every time she came racing. Um, Frankie, I've got to ask you this because because your famous dismount and, you know, you're, every time you had a winner and I always wondered, I wonder if the Queen ever said anything to Frankie de Torres, <laughs> eh? oh, I love this or maybe not so much. <laughs> well, in fairness, she never did, but she, she always had a smile on her face <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, I mean, she she I was she had a great sense of humor. I remember uh, years back, I won my fourth King George, and she gave me the trophy. And uh, she asked me about the race, and I said, "Oh, Your Majesty's, you know, today is my fourth King George." And she looked back at me. She said, "Well, less than one seven, so get back in your box." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that took it away from you for a moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you, you you talked there about that it was obviously um, a, a private moment that you shared with her, but in a in a public setting and you said that you've yeah. been to Buckingham Palace I don't know if you're able to share personal stories that you feel you, you could share with us because you have been in a position so many of us have, have not been able to have, have been in to have been in those private moments with the with the Queen well uh, funny enough one year I, I lost my little dog went out hunting in the field and uh, the Queen's manager found it on the street and she had a collar with my phone number so I was contacted <laughs> And he said to me, listen, the Queen is coming to Newmarket to watch her horses gallop in the morning. So if you come at seven o'clock, you can say hello to the Queen and pick up the dog. So I said to my little daughter, my daughter was 10. I said, listen, put a little dress. We're going to go and get the dog from the Queen. Just shut up, Dad. Don't be silly. <laughs> said, no, it's, it's, no, no it's, it's true. So we, we went to this uh, secret location and, uh, and I walked in and uh, there she was. She's by, she was by the fireplace having a gin and tonic. I was offered, I was, I was, I was offered a drink, so I had a tonic myself. And then uh, she had a long conversation with my daughter for one and a half hour about ponies, about a school, and that was that. You know, she was uh, very, very relaxed to talk to, and she made my daughter feel very welcome. And uh, yeah, that's the sort of person that she was. You know, I'll be honest with you, I met her for thirty years, and even through the last days that I met her, I always felt that feeling of anxiety or or do you know how to uh, act in front of her but she always made you feel welcome you know but mm. you know, it's always you know she had this horror about her you know you always she made you feel happy and she you know you're always excited to see her moving on now to football and the new Chelsea boss Graham Potter has admitted to Brighton fans in an open letter that he doesn't expect them to forgive his departure and they will find it hard to accept Shortly we'll hear from Chelsea defender Scott Minto and goalkeeping coach David Priest, who worked for one of Potter's former clubs, and Darren Bent. But first, here's the former England defender Danny Mills, who believes he couldn't say no to this opportunity. I think it's a, a move that he can't turn down without being disrespectful to Brighton. It's a huge step up. These opportunities don't come around very often. I think it's a brilliant, brilliant appointment. I do hope that he gets the time, the energy, the investment the patience, the buy-in from everybody to produce the football that he has produced at Brighton and Hove Albion. I like the football that he plays. I think there's a real identity to the way his football plays. I understand everything about him, his demeanour, the way he talks to his players, there seems to be a respect there. But first and foremost, I think he's a top-quality coach, so I think he'll do really well at Chelsea. I don't want people to get away from it, the, the fact that he's a very adaptable coach. 
and that's how he produces players. That's how he educates players. He doesn't want them just to play one way. He very much wants them to be able to adapt to any scenario, and he generally does that. It's brilliant for the for the young coaches that have done their badges across the country to believe that actually, do you know what? If Graham Potter can be the manager of Chelsea Football Club, then you know anyone who's doing their studying their badges now can achieve anything. The question marks are out there. Can he do it at a massive football club? But I am convinced that uh, he can do. Can he deal with the big egos? My guess would be that he can. It is a is a risk, but it's a calculated risk. A lot of people would ask that question that he hasn't obviously won anything at the top level, but everyone's got to start somewhere. Do you know what I mean? Everyone's got to mm. be given this opportunity. And I think by him being given this opportunity, I think he'll grab it with both hands and I fully expect him to do really well. Potter, I think, ticks pretty much every box. He's got to be careful. There are some very, very big egos within that, but there will he's going to have to leave out some big players. And when he does that, their reaction is, is going to be key. And that's the only thing difficulty I think he's going to have to manage. Because the way that he is, that he comes across very, very measured in everything that he says, people mistake that that you know that he, he doesn't have the steel to to cope with those those big personalities. Well, he couldn't have anything further from the truth. He's not experienced this before in terms of Chelsea. Now is one of the biggest clubs in the world. The gradual possession, uh, progression he's made, you don't get to the level where he's at now if you don't have that steel and determination and the ability to handle those difficult decisions. I think clubs now don't care necessarily about nationality, but Graham Potter has shown enough to potential to say to Todd Bowley that actually you can manage a, a top four club and not just a top four club, but a club that should be fighting for, for all the trophies. I didn't expect it. When it first happened, I, that wasn't the first name I thought of. I think if you can win something, go deep in the Champions League and they finish in the top four, I think that'd be a successful season for him. On now to cricket. And England are in a dominant position after day four of the third and final test against South Africa at the Oval. Here's reaction from some of the players involved and the former England fast bowler Steve Harmison on the following on podcast. Cricket really does not do itself any favours whatsoever. Now, the players shouldn't have come off last night. Fast forward 24 hours with England needing 33 runs to win, 10 wickets in hand, two batters who are, would be quite happy to have stayed there, uh, 11 fielders who... Equally so, we'll know the game is up and they'll be quite happy to stay there as well. The umpires uh, had to, to take the players from the field. So, yep, we will come back tomorrow, but they have robbed uh, the paying fan uh, the chance uh, to really cap off what has been a wonderful two days uh, for English cricket. They would have uh, chased down the target if given the opportunity, uh, but they haven't been given it. They've walked off. Crawley with 50 to his name, Lees with 32. We'll come back tomorrow to watch England win the game and take the series. Actually, it might fit this series if we come back in front of nobody tomorrow and finish the series. It ain't been very good, to be fair. They could have continued. They really could have done. I mean, come on, it's, it's ridiculous. Cricket does this. So often, I don't know another sport that shoots itself in its own mm. feet quite so regularly as cricket does. The standard of bowling in this series has been fantastic. The standard of discipline from the baton has been woeful. There was disappointment, there were boos, as you can imagine, but also a sense of resignation because Test cricket fans have, have been here before. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Flimsy stay and slowing you down? Well, it's time to upgrade. Armadillo builds durable North American-made tablet stands and kiosks. We're so confident, we offer a lifetime warranty. So elevate your business and visit armadillo.com. That's A-R-M-O-D-I-L-O. Dot com and use code ACAST for 5% off. Armadillo, built to last, designed to impress. And we end the podcast with some golf as the BMW PGA Championship came to an end at Wentworth. Here's TalkSport's Russell Hargreaves with all the details from a nail-biting finish in Surrey. And it is Shane Lowry, who is the 2022 PGA champion here at Wentworth. I'm obviously pretty happy. Um, I was going out there today just giving it my best shot like I do every day. And, you know, you don't know what you're going to get. So I'm, I'm so happy that I'm sitting here with the trophy. First Irishman to win this great tournament for 64 years. His 13th time of trying a 6DP World Tour victory and his second at Rolex Series level as well. Absolutely superb stuff. You've got like some of the best players in the world trying to chase you down and uh, I felt that today but I felt like my game has been good enough all year to win and uh, I just felt like I haven't had the breaks that I needed to win tournaments and uh, you know I'm just very thankful and very grateful that I got to win this like you know what a tournament to win as well. Larry's final round of 65 good enough to win by one from the rest of the field didn't quite eagle the loss but his birdie proved to be enough and down the stretch upping his game quite brilliantly to beat a stellar field so Larry wins it at 17 under par Rahm and McElroy at minus 16 Taylor Gooch and Patrick Reed, two of the live fraternity finishing fourth and fifth respectively Reed alongside the Belgian Thomas Detry. Everyone knows how I feel and yeah certainly that was a little bit of a probably a bit of extra motivation going out today I saw a few lads making a bit of a run and I felt like I was going to do my best to make sure that one of us won and I was hoping it was obviously going to be me so yeah a remarkable day all played out of course amid the backdrop the tragedy of Thursday and the death of Her Majesty the golf carried on and I think with this kind of finale it really was a fitting tribute well done Shane Lowry he is the PGA champion well that's it for another podcasty thingamajig thanks for listening on the TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcast from make sure of course you hit that subscribe button I'm back this afternoon at 4pm on Andy Goldstein's Drive Time Show alongside former England striker Darren Bent there will, of course, be another one of these Andy Goldstein TalkSport Daily podcasts out first in the morning. So do what you have to do to get it. Until then, thanks for listening. Have a good day. And above all, be safe, everyone. Be safe. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rustolium. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.